0: Hi, thanks for listening to our sermon podcast, Second on the Mount. I'm George Anderson, minister at Second Presbyterian in Roanoke, Virginia. I do not take it for granted that people sit in the pews on Sunday morning or listen to these podcasts hoping to hear something that connects them to God, to each other, to the world. And so I spend hours seeking the right word for the right time and said in the right way. I welcome your feedback. I encourage your sharing this sermon with anyone it might benefit. I hope you'll return to this podcast again or come visit us for worship. We'd be happy to have you. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that your word be in our minds and our hearts that it might guide us to remember rightly. Amen. Ah, the good old days. It's amazing how memories can be edited to come to that conclusion, even when the good old days meant slavery. I'm not speaking of the antebellum South, but rather how newly emancipated Hebrews reminisced about the good old days in Egypt. Having just been emancipated from slavery, freedom in the wilderness looked bleak with all of the hardships that it would entail. You'd think that long hours of enforced labor made worse by cruel headmasters who did things like denying them straw to make the task of making bricks easier would be enough to ban any nostalgia. But all they could remember was having assured food and shelter. Why did you bring us out here, they complained to Moses. Did you bring us out here to die? At least as slaves, we had provided shelter and food. Fear, like resentment and hate, can be a strong editor of memories. When something like fear edits the past so that authority is given only to the good and not to the bad, it's really dehumanizing. Let's call it the self-deflating editing of memories. This kind of self-deflating memory happens all the time. You heard it, perhaps you've done it. This damning of the way things are and demand for the way things need to be by praising the past. It's a power thing, really. The constant negotiation between past, present, and future. It takes a generation to get there, but there does come a day when fear no longer dictates how the Hebrews remember. I'll read a passage describing that day. When you hear the passage, imagine it being heard in the setting that is presented in Deuteronomy. Moses giving instructions and beyond him you see the river Jordan that you are to cross to go into the land that had been promised you that you think is to be your inheritance and you're stronger now having been toughened by the hardships of the wilderness. Your greatest strength is that your people have this strong sense of self, a strong, independent, and resourceful idea of yourselves, being a people of God who are grateful for your freedom and even its hardships for what it has taught you and what it has brought to you. And Moses sees your strength and no longer really worries about your having a deflating sense of self. And now he has a new worry that you will develop a self-inflating sense of self. He's not worried now so much about Egyptians, Philistines, or other tribal threats, but what corruption can come of strength and prosperity, evils like arrogance, greed, and abuse of others. And so, before you cross the Jordan into the land that will become your home, Moses tells you how to remember. Listen to his instructions, because maybe we might pick up a thing or two. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle into it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God has given you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien. Few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and prosperous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice, saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and he gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of the tithe, giving it to the Levites, the aliens, the orphans, and the widows, so that they may eat their fill within your towns. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from the house and I've given it to the Levites, the resident aliens, the orphans and the widows in accordance with your entire commandment that you commanded me. I've neither transgressed nor forgotten any of your commandments. I have not eaten of it while in mourning. I have not removed any of it while I was unclean and I have not offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God doing just as you commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. The word of the Lord. We need to be mindful as to what memories we give authority. Because it can make a huge difference in how we live today, how we see ourselves today, and make a huge difference about what we might become in the future. Take Anya. Anya represents or remembers a childhood where her parents were unhappy with each other and were unhappy with her. She remembers her father as being a cold and mean man, often away from home, before he died in a car accident when she was 16 years old, and remembers her mother as being distant and aloof before she drank herself to death when Anya was 33. And when her mother died, she was relieved because she thought her life would be better now and she could move on. Today, Anya remembers differently because after her parents died, she learned much more about their past that didn't fit with what she thought she knew. First, she discovered these passionate love letters between the father she had remembered as cold and the mother she remembered as aloof. There were many of them. And second, she traveled to the Ukrainian town where her father grew up and to which he often returned, which is why he was so often not at home she found that in that town he was considered a hero because he took every opportunity he could to return to his parents' town to help in its rebuilding after having struggled so during its years behind the Iron Curtain, giving not only his money, but also his labor. And she understood that her mother did not hate her father, but resented him for being gone so much and then resenting God or life or fate or whatever or whoever it was that took him away from her, leaving her on her own to raise her daughter. Anya learned that the best way to move on was not to forget her past, but remember it differently. The past did not become for her all rosy then, but it became a past that she could embrace and carry with her. And she is glad now to claim her parents as her own. You can read Anya's story in the book, My Dead Parents. Again, it, it makes a big difference how you remember. Your future can depend on it. Moses could not let resentment and ingratitude continue among the recently emancipated slaves when they pathetically wished that they were back in Egypt because they were so afraid of what laid ahead. He had to, God through him had to show them tough love to make them do what they did not want to do, and that is move on. But they did move on. And now a strong people with the dream of being in a settled land, being a settled nation, they now have reason to brag and perhaps even a temptation to bully. It is important that they not do the opposite of what they did a generation ago. If they indeed become a people where resources flow among them as smooth as milk and as sweet as honey, he doesn't want their story to become one of those we did it on our own stories. You know, the I am my own hero story or I pulled myself up by my own bootstrap story. There is no self-awareness in the business of self-inflation. Moses did not want them to become so self-unaware, that they would tell their story as a version of a quote that went viral years ago by a famous actor who, for a moment, thought that he could act the part of political pundit. I won't say the actor's name because what he said is so embarrassingly self-unaware. What he said was this, I've been on welfare and food stamps. Did anyone help me out? No. No. Moses did not want the Hebrews to say, we survived the wilderness. Did anyone help us out? No. He wanted them to remember that they were delivered by a mighty hand, that without God's help and without each other's help, they would not have made it a week in the wilderness. So he told them how to remember. When they come to that day, when they are settled in the land and they have comfortable homes and flowing resources within defended borders, they are on designated days to go before the priest to offer the first fruits of their harvest and declare their memories. You heard the instructions. When you have harvested and you see that you have more than enough to feed your family and more, take some of the first fruits and give them away. Make an offering of thanks and explain your thanks by offering the memories of your people, how your ancestors were nomads, beginning with Abraham, how one of your ancestors, Joseph, ended up in Egypt and came to a position of authority where he could offer guidance during a famine, how Joseph's family joined him in Egypt because of that very same famine, and how they ended up prospering there and grew great in number and resources. How a Pharaoh came to power who edited his people's memories, choosing to cast the Hebrews, the Jews, as a problem rather than a resource. Sound familiar? And had the Hebrews enslaved and remained enslaved for generations. How their enslaved ancestors cried out, God heard their cry, delivered them from the wilderness, made them strong until they became a mighty nation with resources like milk and honey flowing among them. And then we get to the most important part of this ritual of remembering. In celebrating the kindness God showed them, they are to be kind to others who are today like they were back then. Out of your bounty, share with those aliens who are residing among you. Share with those who are most vulnerable in a patriarchal world, widows and orphans. Why? Well, the reason is simple. It is because they are to remember that they were once aliens who did not have the protection of Egyptians. They were like widows who have been robbed of their means of providing for themselves when they were made slaves. They were once orphaned until God claimed them as his children. The goodness we have to offer comes of the goodness we choose to remember. Fear, resentment, hatred provide great cause to cling to what we have, but remembering thankfully gives clear cause to do for others the kindness that has been done to us. I do love to reminisce. I love being with close family and friends after long separations and taking time to catch up. For many of us, that kind of reminiscing will happen this week. Some of us will travel to loved ones or welcome loved ones who travel to be with us and want to share not only a Thanksgiving meal, but also funny and sad and important memories. Remembering like that has this special timeless power because past, present, and future define each other in what we choose to remember and how we tell our stories. We edit who we were back then, who we are now, and what we are becoming in the way that we tell our stories. And I love reminiscing because I know that my life is blessed And so for me, my good memories have more authority than my bad ones. I hope I'm not Pollyannish. I hope I am realistic. I hope it is because I reminisce with grace. And that's what I wanna encourage you to do this Thanksgiving and really moving forward with humility, grace, compassion, humor, empathy. Consider the blessings of your life And consider where those blessings came from. If you get a chance to spend some time alone or even better with others who have shared your journey in some way, reminisce with a purpose. I know that you can find reasons for complaint and reasons why you should resent. And even some of those memories, some of those stories add color and authenticity even to a story that ends up being a story of appreciation. But really, consider what are the blessings you've received and who was responsible for your receiving them. And as you reminisce about your blessings, what does it say about who you are now? And what does it say about who you're to be moving forward? Reminisce about your faith. How did you come to sense God, to trust God's love, to believe that God has a place for you, not only in God's heart, but also in God's world and in God's work. And in thinking about your faith, a simple question. Does your immanescing need to stop with your blessings? Or does it involve how you can be a blessing moving forward? Whether it is family, friends, country, the world, the church, I encourage you this Thanksgiving to remember in a way that lifts blessings that are not only to be claimed today, but to be shared in moving on. Second Presbyterian Finding Direction by Following Jesus.